Hello, everyone. Welcome. I am Dana O'Gorman, and this is the Field Goals Podcast. I want to start out this show by telling everyone how excited I am to be on the Field Goals Podcast and to have been asked with along with Dan Veens to take over the Field Goals Podcast from Brandon Schultz. Now, Brandon is not going anywhere. He is definitely going to be on our podcast at different times throughout the year. But we have decided that Dan and I are going to split these duties because God knows there's going to be a lot to talk about this season when it comes to Seahawk football. So I want to thank everyone at Field Goals for welcoming me the way that they have. And I'd like to go ahead and get started with my first guest. I was reading Field Goals the other day and I came across an article that caught my eye because it was full of information that I had been screaming from the rooftops about. And so I knew instantly that I needed to have him on my very first show. So I want to welcome John Fraley. He has been writing for Field Goals for a very long time, we have discussed. (laughs) So he's been around for a minute. John, thank you so much for joining me on the Field Goals podcast. Well, a very long time. I guess that's relevant because (laughs) Field Goals itself has only been around for about 15 years in the form that it's been. And I guess I've been writing there for 10 years. Oh, man. I mean, I I, you can be an OG then. I mean, without question. <laughs> oh, writing. man. I remember reading John Morgan at Field Goals, and uh, he really got me into uh, football analysis. That was really that was really what awakened it for me. So shout out to John for uh, just being a really a real visionary. And uh, mm-hmm. I think he brought a lot of people into the fold. Uh, oh, and my gosh, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, what a cool legacy for that guy. Yeah, I've been writing there for 10 years. So I've seen all the good stuff. I've seen all the bad stuff. And the good stuff has been way, way more frequent than the bad stuff. We have just been spoiled for the last 10 years. Although I could sure use another playoff win. Yeah, one or even two, baby. But yeah, it is true. And, and you know, that is one of the fun things that uh, about being a Seahawks fan is, it, as like you said, we have been pretty spoiled over the last few years. but. I'm really excited about this season. And I know that rebuilding a team is not exciting for everyone, especially teams like the Browns or the Lions who feel like they've been doing it forever. Right. It's okay for the Seahawks because we haven't done this in a long time. We're about due for a little bit of a rebuild. It's okay. We can have a year where we go five and 12. It's fine. Oh my gosh. If even five, I'm okay with four. Like seriously, (laughs) like I, I am so excited for some youth and for some difference and for a change. Um, I'm really excited about all the coaching changes that have gone on. Um, I know they weren't the the coaching change that everyone necessarily wanted, but I was thrilled with it. I think it's fantastic. And, and just kind of a little, um, invigorating again. About Seahawks yeah, invigorating is a great word for that. I really like that because it was getting yeah. really stale. I mean, not not the winning part. The winning part just never really gets stale. But <laughs> never. There was a certain there was a certain feeling that maybe the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson partnership had run its course. Mm-hmm. And if it's run its course, then why not start something new? Why not? Why not make? There's no reason to wait long to rebuild. If you know you want to do it, just go ahead and do it. Just cut right. ties. Get out there. I mean, I'm very sad that Russell Wilson is in, is in whatever town he's in. I don't even know where he Does anybody know where he's playing? I, don't I have think no he, idea. Is he in the league? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I sure hope he comes to Seattle sometime soon. I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing him again. <laughs> it's so true. I know. I, I, I like this I, time. 
I looked around. I was like, oh my God, if I have to keep talking about I'm so glad it's week one. This get this game out of the way. So we don't have to keep talking about this. It'll be so good. Well, you know, the interesting thing about this is a lot of people have varied opinions on how they feel about, you know, the changes and everything and Russell and, sure. and Bobby and all of that. Um, however, I will say this, you don't want to poison the well. And so, like you said, if no one's happy, you're not going to benefit anyone. Let's just move on. And I'm very excited so far. I mean, it's been what, five months. <laughs> so it hasn't been very long, but I'm very happy games. so far. <laughs> right. Not a single one. Um, I'm very excited about the direction I feel like this team was going because, and this is in reference to your article, I sure. said a few months ago, does anyone else feel like this is 2011 all over again? And that was one of my favorite seasons in Seattle. I had such, I, I don't know what it was. It was just different. And I've been a fan for a long time. People like really, really long time. I'm real old that way. So, um, I, so I lived through the nineties. I did all that. And so 11 was just such a shot of adrenaline. And I kind of am starting to get that feeling again. What made you decide to look at these two seasons, the 2011 and this season and, and compare the two? Yeah. So I think this is the down year. Like we just finished the down year, 2021. And 2010, Beastquake aside, was a pretty big down year. That team was not good. They were more of a five or six win team. They had a terrible point differential, which I'm going to get into in just a second. And the biggest changes on the team from 2010 to 2011 were losing your quarterback, who'd been there forever, who was a legend, mm -hmm. and losing uh, your middle linebacker who'd been there for a while and who was a legend. I'm thinking, wow, I think we can relate really close to this whole uh, Tatupu and Hasselbeck thing that happened back then. I mean, it's the same sort of situation where, you know, Bobby is gone and he may be washed up too. I'm not, I don't hold out a lot of hope for him. And I hope he was very successful. I hope that Bobby Wagner is very successful in St. Louis, uh, St. Louis. No, that, I'll tell you how old I am. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> And uh, and I hope that Russell Wilson throws many touchdowns in in Denver. <laughs> but but yeah, right, like I, mean, I don't know about Bobby. Bobby's on the wrong wrong side of thirty two, and uh, mm -hmm. Russell Wilson hasn't really been himself for the last year and a half as much as we'd like him mm -hmm. to. Uh huh. So and that that is much how Hasselback and yes. Lofa were at that point. Yes. There is a lot of similarities. Probably the biggest is some of this youth infusion that came in in 2011. Um, how do you see? Now, you made a great point before we get into this. You made a great point in your article that I have been screaming from the rooftops actually for the last couple of years. The Legion of Boom was a historic defense. You don't repeat those. They are defenses that can't be repeated. They were once in a lifetime. You put them on a pedestal. You bring them up every year at the Super Bowl, and that's who they are. So I have been saying, do not expect that again, because they're like, well, who's the next Richard Sherman? There isn't another Richard Sherman. And so um, I love that you made that article, too. But there still is this youth that has come in here and... One thing about Pete Carroll is he's very good with young players. Yeah. And so and you talk to me about, go ahead. And you don't need a Legion of Boom, which is good because you're not going to get one. As you said, you're not going to get one. You don't need, you, but you need some elite players 
to blossom this year. Mm-hmm. And no, is it going to be the cornerback and the two safeties? Yeah, who knows? Probably not. But if it's, <laughs> as long as it's somebody, as long as you get elite playmakers, maybe it's uh, two, maybe it's two pass rushers and they take over games. Uh, as long as somebody blossoms like that, uh, then you can do a lot of special things. You know, it's just you're not going to hit on that many Hall of Fame, All Pro type of players in the draft that much. So as far as like getting another Legion of Boom and another Russell Wilson, no, this is probably not going to happen. Right. But you can win a lot of championships without. A lot. You can win a championship. Hey, one, hey one let's start with one, right? <laughs> without a Legion of Boom and without a Russell, Russell Wilson, other teams do it all the time. Right. Exactly. So let's start. Let's start with the quarterbacks first. So in your article, you compared Geno Smith and Tavares Jackson. Oh, they're so similar. It is amazing. They're so similar. Now, it has to do with the fact that neither one was really starter level. So, of course, all backups to some extent are similar in their skill. That's why they're backups. (laughs) But, yeah, they were they're both not very explosive, not that. Uh, not that accurate, just not that good in general. Again, this is why they were backups. So, although I'm much higher on Geno Smith for twenty for twenty twenty two than uh, than I was for Taurus Jackson, I think Taurus went through a lot of stuff that year. Uh, T Jack had the uh, torn pec, so he just did. I mean, that's I don't think people mention that often enough that he just gutted that out. Right. Uh, and Geno Smith appears to be coming in healthy with actually some game experience and some chemistry with the playmakers that he has. So I'm, and on a better offense suited to him, this whole Sean McVay knockoff offense that they're going to run. I feel like a lot of people are saying that this, and again, this is not any disrespect to Russell, but this is something that he can run. He can, you know, we saw that, you know, in that initial few games last year where we saw some Sean Waldron-ness, plays and then it kind of went back to Russell Wilson play. And so it looks like Gino might have the ability um, to pull this off. Let, let's look at a few of these stats. So Javaris Jackson played 36 games. Gino's played 40. Um, the quarterback ratings nearly identical. 76.6 for Jackson, 73.6 for Smith. Completion percentages, 58.7, like yeah. 57.7. This yeah. is what I'm saying. It they're is, not super accurate. There's yeah. that's why they're that's why they're rating, which is not a great stat. I'd prefer not to talk about passive rating too much <laughs> except when it suits my argument to show that they're very similar <laughs> that's exactly right you know um they were their yards per attempt their sack percentage um yeah. it, it's almost identical they're within points of each other like you know it's just it's just amazing and like weird, you said huh? <laughs> it is bizarre it is but like you said the interesting thing is that gino was a starter he he has done this and when he came in last year, you could feel that from him. He won one of the three. We get it, you guys. But you could feel that he had that game experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I worry about him under pressure. But I don't worry about him as far as like being able to run the offense and be able to get the ball out quickly. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't worry about that. I think it, watching him in the games last year confirmed the fact that he just doesn't. And nobody's as good as Russell Wilson under pressure. But Geno Smith just, if he's got a guy in his face, then we got problems for that game. Mm-hmm. But if he gets rid of the ball quickly, I have no, I have no doubt he can execute the basics of the offense as presented mm-hmm. to him. Like a dumbed down, 
McVay offense. I don't mean them like for Geno Smith. I just mean like maybe a simplified or a uh, mm-hmm. uh, a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, like a like a like a pared down. Let's not say dumbed down. Let's say a pared down offense mm-hmm. uh, that maybe Waldron runs for uh, some someone like Geno who's not quite as explosive and accurate as as you'd like to have at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think right there uh, you could do a lot with that. As, sure. as the Rams did with McVay, I mean, with McVay, excuse me, the Rams did with Goff, who's mm-hmm. not particularly accurate himself and tends to fold under pressure. And with Jimmy G in San Francisco, who's pretty accurate, but definitely doesn't have the arm to make some of the plays you need to make. Yeah. I mean, we've seen t- in our backyard, we've seen two quarterbacks who are meh go all the way to the Super Bowl, not win it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm very, I'm very sad that the golf Rams didn't win the Super Bowl. Oh, I'm so sad about that. And I'm just broken, I'm, I'm broken <laughs> up that the Jimmy D. Niners also fell short. That's too bad for them. And uh, I won't be able to sleep tonight. But it proves the fact that you don't need, you don't need a top five quarterback to get to the Super Bowl, but you might need one to win it. <laughs> Fair. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of our um, younger um, offensive linemen. So we have. For sure. Oh, this is good really, stuff. I love these guys. I love yeah, them. Yeah. They have been playing lights out, getting massive national attention. Um, uh, Brian Balnier, I mean, he did video after video after video on both of them. Yeah, it was like so them. fun to watch. He's so impressed. You compared them to Russell Okun, minus the Bitcoin, which I thought was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and gotta take those jabs if we can. Oh, I love it. And good old Breno Giacomini. Now here's the funny oh. thing. I laughed when I read that, and not because of the comparison, but because I remember how much this fan base would rag on Breno Giacomini all the time. And I think they're going to fall in love with Lucas. Yeah, there's a, there a real love-hate, I think, relationship with both of those tackles like people would get on okung about his false starts and his holding calls but he was good left tackle i mean that's that's a that's a, he's an underrated part of those super Agreed. bowl teams and then uh you had breno on the other side who uh was capable of anything at any moment in the game mm-hmm. and uh like it just he could take out the he could uh totally dominate the other team's uh defensive end or he could fall apart and have like three personal foul calls and, uh, <laughs> and wreck drive after drive. But he was so much fun to watch, though. I really, uh, I wouldn't mind having Abe Lucas in his first year be that kind of player, that level of player, mm-hmm. Reno. And uh, certainly, if Charles Cross turned into um, turned into Russell Okum, that would just be a mm-hmm. that'd be a miracle. Not a miracle. Not a miracle. It would be really fortuitous. <laughs> it really would. And the interesting thing is that, you know, I don't think we realized how good those two players were until they were gone. Obviously, you don't know what you got till it's gone. But I think that now, because we've had so many years of poor line play, that we see the good that Cross and Lucas is coming that they're bringing and hopefully we can celebrate that. Let's hope we don't get five penalties out across every single game, but I think <laughs> they're that- going to commit some penalties. They're rookies. They're going to look bad. At sure. times. I think it's going to take are? like, it's going to take the whole year for them to really look like they belong, but there's going to be those flashes. There's going to be those one game flashes where you're like, this guy's for real. This guy, yeah. this, he's the real deal. 
Absolutely. And get that first year out of the way until before the Seahawks get their quarterback. That's what I want. I just want pure <laughs> development know. out of this one, right? Like it'll just be so good. It'll be I know so that's the other thing is that's why 2011, it feels so 2011 is because you're just waiting on that quarterback. A lot of people really, we didn't know that T-Jack was a bridge quarterback at the time. We we're like, oh, he could turn out to be pretty good. He could be here for a while. But, you know, you knew by the end of the season that he wasn't the long-term answer. And we know that Geno Smith is not the long-term answer. And we found out that Drew Locke, if he's the long-term answer, it's a long-term away because he still has <laughs> a lot of development to do. He could be he could be a guy who maybe, you know, figures it out in three or four years down the road, but I doubt he's a Seahawk then. I I would doubt that he would be a starter. I, I think he'll be a great backup. And and I do, I, I will say, I have felt bad for Drew Locke. I live in Kansas City and he's very <laughs> popular right. around here, obviously, because he went to Mizzou. But um, they um, they love him around here. They think that he mm-hmm. could have been a great um, quarterback. And the census really is that he got completely screwed over by having offensive quarter after offensive quarter after coach after and he just and yeah maybe that did derail him some but i still think that he's just not the level that you need to win championships in this league and that uh, most people know that doesn't mean he won't be a great backup and won't be you know a great help in one way or another but sorry drew this is not the space for you but that's okay since you're in kansas city then you should make a drew lock alex smith comparison since alex smith had a different Mm -hmm. oc for his first six seasons i believe he switched those okay. seasons all six of his first seasons and then of course after a while you know he could play the position and he got he got the chiefs to the doorstep of the super bowl that's a really good comparison i had right? that so, together. yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an interesting one although Locke has a way bigger arm than alex smith of course who was a little bit more noodle army and just relied on his mm-hmm. wiles and yep. his he was he was consistent. That's what I liked about Alex Smith. He was always consistent. So. You always knew what you could expect from him. With Drew Locke, you have no idea. Like the worst thing could happen, followed by the best. Right. We saw him in the preseason. We saw him like the sack fumble. And we saw that incredible touch. About the one he drops in Penny Hart's uh, bread basket. Oh, yeah. was such a pretty pass. He threw so You're many like, great passes. You can and do that so every time. <laughs> yeah, and then so many where he just, you do think, what are you thinking, Drew? What, why, why, right. would, why, why? Why? Yeah. Why? It is my opinion that they made the right choice there just because I think Gino is familiar. And to be honest with you, I don't want there to be a question mark at the end of the season about, oh, should we just keep the quarterback we have? I don't want that question to come up. I want it to be done. So it's like, yes, go get the new kid. So I'd love for Gino to have a decent year and go get paid somewhere. I'd love for him to get one more payday. He's put in a lot of work. He had a rough, he had a rough, he had a rough uh, uh, deal in New York. Uh, when he oh, landed yeah. with the Jets, he was just thrown in there, and uh, he actually wasn't supposed to be the starter. And he because he took, got it by injury, and then he wasn't ready to be the starter. And then people were like, "Oh, you can't play." Well, yeah, I wasn't ready to be the starter. He wasn't ready. So I hope I hope he has a decent year, and we move on from him, and he gets paid. Yeah, I would <laughs> love to see that too. To be honest with you, I think that would be great. Now let's talk about this secondary in comparison to 2011. Again, mm-hmm. we are not getting a Legion of Boom back, people. But it's going to be a bad comparison. Well, I don't, you can't compare the people, but the youth of it and the development of prospects, I think. So, I mean, if you look at, I'm dying to see Trey Brown on the field for an entire season. I think that that, I'm just like salivating at that. I just think we saw such flashes from him last year that just, he got me. I'm like, oh, this kid could be it. Physical. He has ball awareness. Yeah. He has ball awareness. He's physical. Absolutely. If we could get 16, 17 games of him. 
it won't be this year because he's starting in POP, but if we get 17 games out of him next year, I just want to see him play. You know? I do too. Even if we get the last 12, I'd be good with that. Yeah, then we same. have the the two rookies. We have uh, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. Um, the Tariq Woolen hype was pretty big at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, I think that's calmed down a little bit um, because Bryant has come on and done so well. But honest to God, you can't help but think good things are coming from these rookies. Yeah, I think one of them's going to pop. I don't know which one. I'm high on um, Han Kobe myself. I really, I like, I like the look of. He looks like a. This is going to be really stupid, but he looks like a corner. He looks like a cornerback when he's playing. He just looks like he knows where he wants to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Woolen, you had some lapses. A few where it looked like maybe wasn't sure of the coverage exactly. I think that Woolen is just going to be an amazing amazing athlete who makes some jaw-dropping plays and that Kobe is going to be a little bit more reliable and Mm -hmm. pro ready sooner. And I think he's going to make a difference this year. I'm really glad he's playing nickel. I think it's, I'm really pumped to see him grow because I think he's the more, he's the quicker one to be ready. And then perhaps because you remember that, that even the guys who ended up being LOB, mainstays didn't necessarily just pop right on the scene right away Fair. right like it's German half a season uh earl thomas struggled his rookie year in 2010 he missed a lot of coverages i mean you could see that he was going to be great but he missed a lot of coverages mm-hmm. cam the knock on him was he couldn't cover for his first couple of years which is why he played up in the box so much but then he learned how to do that so these guys I'm just excited to see them get better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what this season is all about. It's all about watching them develop over the 17 games. So you know what you might get next year. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really fun for me too. The last thing I want to talk to you about, about the comparisons is you talk a little bit about the front office and mm. how they're the same, but different. And I liked that comparison where you still have, you know, you still have Pete Carroll and his excitement for youth players and his excitement um, to rebuild the team. I, I have read this quote. I can't even tell you how many times this last week where they're like, they say Pete Carroll is at his best when he's building a team. And mm-hmm. I think that that was, that's so true. And then you have John Snyder, who I think has probably learned a lot over the last 10 years, especially when you, it comes to egos. You know, Seattle is always known where you could be a pl- the player could go and be himself and no one tried to check mm-hmm. any egos. I think they've learned a few lessons from that. That there, are limit, that there are limits. Like you can exactly. maybe have a couple yeah. guys like that on the team, but if you have four yeah. or five, then you're probably setting yourself up for some, <laughs> for more, for more trouble than you wanted. That's an interesting thing. I really like that yeah. because yeah. I hadn't thought about how that's kind of one of the, traits of a lot of the guys that they acquired between like the guys outside guys that they acquired between Harvin and Graham and various Mm -hmm. others. Those are all guys who knew that they were superstars and that they were game changers and didn't come up in the system. That's interesting to me. I really hadn't put that together. Yeah. I think that that is, that, that is just the lessons they, they, that you have to learn over time in managing a team. And where I still think Seattle is a place where a player can come be himself yeah. You, it, it's hard. You have to understand that, that the management of it. And, and when people think of big egos, they think of Sherman and Earl and, you know, these huge larger than life players, Michael Bennett, God love him, you know, and his craziness. And, and, 
And then to be quite honest with you, Russell, over the last few years and that ego and how to manage that, I, I think that that is one thing that they've learned how to do better. But if you could pinpoint one thing you think that they might do different in their management, whether it be um, roster building, cap management, whatever it is, that, what's the lesson you think that they've learned since 2011? Oh, they can't, they're not in a position to take big swings in the draft. And sometimes they need to take the safe, the, okay. the, the safe, there's no such thing as a safe draft pick, but the less risky draft pick because i think they did a lot of that in 13 14 15 we're like we already got the team built we have all our guys we just need to fill in so let's try and hit some lottery tickets i think maybe they went away from the lottery ticket idea in the draft and decided to just go for some steadier looking players who might have lower ceilings but also might have way higher floors i think i saw them do that a little bit this year with their picks mm-hmm. uh though, of course it's just it's, okay. he's so late that he's kind of one of those guys who's like a lower ceiling, high, uh, lower floor, higher ceiling type to me. So that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a riskier pick mm-hmm. in my opinion. But I think they went with a lot of safe, so-called safer picks, and then that's mm-hmm. an adjustment in draft, in draft uh, strategy. I think they look at the capital that they have now due to the trade, and and I oh. would hope that some of the thought of it is we have to build the best team possible with this because this is our one shot to have this much draft capital in for a yeah, while. This, and this and so the logic, yet. yeah. And so the logic of that, it, it came seeping through. Um, I too felt that this year, it almost felt like they took in such contrast to last year, they took the best player available for the spot that they needed. And it, and it really seems to have worked out for yeah. them. Um, I know getting Cross and Lucas, they didn't think that could happen. And when it happened, it mm-hmm. just changed everything, which was so great. Um, but I'm still, I'm one of the outliers that's thrilled about the Ken Wa- um, Walker pick. I, I think uh, he's going to be huge. I know people don't like where it was done, but I will tell you, I was sitting in that, I was sitting in that draft room in the media room at the draft. And when that pick was announced, the entire Sports Illustrated table exploded. They were so excited because they loved this kid so much. And so sometimes I think as Seahawks fans, we get jaded at certain positions because Uh we've seen some history there. But I really think this kid is going to pop. I'm excited about it. Well, I hope so, because then it'll be really nice if the pick was worth it. And it's really hard to make that pick worth it with the (laughs) top of the second round. So if they manage to make it work, make it work then all the better for everyone. I don't think anybody who hates the pick uh, wants Mm -hmm. Ken Walker to fail. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a difference in between uh, annoyance at the front office for not maximizing draft value the way we'd like them to do it and annoyance at the player being on the team. Mm -hmm. Right? Like this is a Rashad Penny sort of thing. They never should have drafted him uh, in the first round. That was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if he runs this year like he did last year then well everybody will everybody is going to be very happy with that they'll forgot they were mad (laughs) they will they will have forgotten they were upset about that it's true that's fun all right so what are your expectations for this team for this year they're pretty bad <laughs> it's a very thin roster. No, the word um, the word you're saying is they're very deve- developmental is what they're going to be. <laughs> they're, uh, that's right. They're on the upswing. Uh, I think they're going to lose a lot of games early in the year. I think one and seven is really not out of the mm-hmm. not out of the right. question to start. And I would be surprised if they won eight games. 
but I wouldn't be surprised with seven, six, or five. I think right. they can win some of those close games later in the year. I think there's some bad teams on the schedule because you're playing the last play schedule. But of course, those other teams are pretty glad to see the Seahawks too, because that's not a very that's not a very good team. No, they're too thin. They have a big problem with linebacker. They don't have any linebackers. Their pass rush is untested, although I think it's going to be quite good. It's untested. Their corners are young. Uh, that's the recipe for a de- for a defense getting burned over and over and over and over until they figure it out. And I'm hoping they'll figure it out in November. But I think you're looking at a really you're looking at a you're looking at September and October being big time growing pains. Now, if they happen to win a few games in September, October, and you know finish four and five, uh, then they could be in the playoff hunt in oh, December. No. <laughs> but I don't think that they're gonna, I don't think they're going to start four and four, four and five. I think they're uh, I think they're looking at uh, four and six. I think they're looking at three and seven at the bye, and then things really start to turn up. I think I'm very excited, very excited about uh, the after by Seahawks. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I have them winning five to seven games this season. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at. And I'll be thrilled with that number because I think it will give those young players a taste of some winning, but also giving them plenty of opportunity to watch film and know where they need to grow. And I think that that is exciting. Um, and I'm going to um, be yeah, totally pin me down. Sorry. No, sorry. Pin me down. I'll say five wins as well. I'm just going to I'm just going to qualify it that they go five, 11 and one. With the one tie being uh, just some random, crazy, crazy ass game. Sorry, language. No, you're the, fine. No, you're the, good. That they, uh, that Pete Carroll is infamous for. So some sort of, oh, you know, 19 to 19 um, game. Against, against with, Arizona. Against Arizona. You finish my sentence for me. <laughs> so true. Right? Oh my gosh. It's so true. That's exactly what's going to happen. And they will have one game that they'd win that they're not supposed to. Is uh, it the Chiefs they, game? Is it the Chiefs game on the It on is Christmas not. Eve? It's, not. It's, it's the not Chargers the game. game. It's the Chargers uh, game because the Chargers. I think so. I think it's okay. going to be the Broncos okay, okay, okay. game. You think it's the Broncos game? I do think think it's the Broncos game. I think if they win one big game this year, it'll either be the Broncos or for some reason they will beat Tom Brady in Germany. It will be like one or the, it'll be some weird shouldn't have happened. It'll be a pass rush thing. It'll be a thing where two of the, uh, where two of the pass rushers have like career days and they get like seven sacks Mm -hmm. and, and And, and the run game ends up running for like 200 yards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be that kind of game. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's not going to be the Broncos. Dana, it's not going to be the Broncos. They're going to get, we're going to lose this game so bad. I don't think we're going to lose this game so bad. I I don't know that we're going to lose this game at all. I've been, I've covered the AFC West for a long time and I like what the Broncos have done this year. Everyone who's picking the Broncos to win the division has mm-hmm. lost their minds. <laughs> they may finish. You know what? I'll tell they're more likely to finish last in that division than first. This division, that division is going to be so fun to watch. They're going to beat the ever loving Tara out of each other. Yep. And it's going to be great. It's going to be the way the NFC West games. used to be. Yes. Yeah. It's, that's exactly what it's going yeah. to be like. But I don't, I don't mean poor Russell because he just got paid $75 billion. Yeah, I feel no bad for Russell. But he, he picked that the, division. He <laughs> from the hardest division in football for a while yep. to the hardest division in football. Yeah. Which good for him. Says a lot about his, you know, how he feels about the way he play, which I love. So that's awesome. Oh my gosh, John, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation. It was great. All right, everyone, we will be back again next week. And thanks for listening to the Field Goals podcast. Bye-bye.